Hey everybody, this is Jason from Cornerstone Dog Training and cornerstonepuppy.com. Uh, coming back to you with this Puppy Training Principles podcast. We're excited to talk today about phase two of our training process. So this is the third of several podcasts that will be an overview of how uh, we work with puppies and some of the different things, different commands and different things to work on in the puffy puppy stage. So not the puffy stage, although puffy puppies are kind of cute looking, but um, definitely the puppy stage. So phase two is where we get into some more of the focus. Last In the last podcast, I talked about how it's important to um, be a leader for your puppy and, and be the kind of leader that's worth um, paying attention to and the kind of leader that's worth listening to. And focus is how you know that's happening. Of course, we're talking about puppies, so inherently they're going to have a very short attention span. But the time you spend building that attention span and getting focus, being worth focusing on, is going to be the key to all learning moving forward. If we stop and think about it, really, is there anything that, I mean, barring maybe a few really complicated things, there's really not in... There's really nothing in this world you couldn't learn if you focused long enough on it. And so to the focus is the key to all learning. And ultimately, focus is what will kill the chaos. Now, with puppies, they're by nature, they're going to have adrenaline spikes um, in different directions um, that we, you know, that are bigger, big high adrenaline spikes and, and quick lows. That's why puppies fall asleep fast and things like that. Their, their body is going to be kind of throwing those chemicals in their body around a little more willy-nilly because they're puppies. So we can't, we're not going to expect too much, especially from, you know, 8 to 12 weeks. Now, that doesn't mean you can't work on it. Please, you're totally welcome to work on it. Um, and I definitely would. If I had a puppy come to me at 8 weeks, I'm starting this process. Now, I see the big picture, so I'm, I'm ready to do this. But even if you waited until 13 weeks and you're like, okay, 12, 13 weeks, let's, let's start working on more focus and, and, and less just potty training and kennel training. You, you could do that and you would be just fine. Okay, So we're going to start top, talking about some of this focus. Now, to get focus, um, we need to know that with dogs, when they are – when they're born, you know, they, they start out blind and basically deaf. And so the only thing they have to use is their nose to get information. And so they go around and they sniff and um, they can smell mom. And that's how they know how to get food and survive, right? And, and how they can go get um, food from mom. And so their nose is key. And then not too long after that, their eyes will start to um, work and they can use that to make sense of their new world. And then their their hearing gets better and better. Now that's kind of the order of operations too for a dog. They you know originally it's their nose, and so their nose is going to tell them a lot. Think about it like when you take a dog in a room. What do they first do? They start sniffing. They don't just sit and like look around and be like, huh, let me analyze this and listen to what's going on, and I'll I will know what is up. No, they're going to start sniffing stuff. So when we run a dog training facility from our home, and when when people come in for the free consultations that we do to to see if it's a good fit, 
what do their dogs do? And usually unruly dogs, right? Because that's why they're there. They want to fix some problems. They start sniffing stuff. They start sniffing around the room and understanding what there is to see. So they're going to use that. Now we want to get them to start working with us. And ultimately, most people want their dogs to do voice commands. That's what we want. We want to be able to say sit and a dog does it. At the same time, I, I was, there's always a trend. Every once in a while it pops up where people are like, you know, uh, oh, my dog does, uh, does hand signals. And I always think it's funny because um, that, that's great. You know, like I have no problem with teaching hand signals. There's nothing wrong there. And especially if you're going to have a deaf dog or something like that and you know that, then absolutely teach hand signals. But I think it's funny because a lot of people think that it's more advanced when in fact that's ultimately that's what dogs do anyway. So it's not really more advanced than like a voice command. Um, dogs will read your body language way before they'll listen to your words in almost every case. And so you might even see like you'll notice with training, we have to see this like sometimes it helps for someone else to see you. But like if you're doing a sit command and you're always like bending over as you did it, do it. Try sometime looking at your dog and then just bend over and don't say the command. And if they do the command, you know, oh, they're just reading the body language, not the word. And so you'll start to see that. Uh a lot of times people will, in the opposite direction, you'll see people say stuff like, if you've ever seen this, someone will be like, sit, 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 sit. And then they're like, put it, you know, they're like moving their arms and that's when the dog does it. And they're like, oh, they only do it if I raise my voice to this level. That's us thinking, not them. Most likely the dog is sitting there like, ah, that word has no meaning to me. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, oh, there's the, there's the, what they mean. And they, they're looking at the body language. And so... Uh, for all intensive purposes, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you always do the same body language, they'll start to figure out the word as well. But um, as a trainer, we like to get there as quickly as possible. So in phase two, we're going to start to get that focus. And one of the, excuse me, one of the ways I love to do that is I love to work on eye contact. First of all, puppies have adorable eyes and I want them to learn to look at me and get direction from me. Where a dog's head is or where their focus is, is where they are, where their brain is. So if you're on a walk and your dog is all over the place, watch where their head goes. And usually on that walk, when they're all over the place, they're ahead of you because that focus is on everything else. Okay. It's not that they can't focus. It's that we haven't trained them to focus on us or been worthy of their focus. So we start with eye contact. That's what I like to do. Um, and when a dog will uh, look at me, okay, they just, you know, I could say nothing at all. In fact, I usually don't say anything at all. I don't do a word command for eye contact. I don't say focus or anything like that. When a dog looks at me, I say, I mark that behavior. So there's lots of different ways to mark. Clicker's probably the best option. Studies have shown that, that a clicker is great. A lot of times I'm so busy, um, I don't use a clicker because I only have a couple hands, but they're awesome, okay? So you're going to mark the behavior with a sound of some sort, okay? Uh, the clicker is a great way to do that. So dog looks at me, puppy looks at me, click, and then the reward comes. Um, if I was not using a clicker, which is my way of choice a lot, again, not that they're bad, they're, they're great, but um, I just say the word yes, and it, I, I say it quick and to the point, so it's yes, kind of excited, yes. 
Um, I'm not, yeah, you know, it's not like this, it, it's yes. So a dog looks at me and I don't move and I just say yes and I hand them the food. Now that's harder than you think. <laughs> a lot of people as humans, we like to do things in sync. So we move with our words. In fact, I'm sitting here talking in a podcast. I know you can't see me and I'm totally using my hands. Okay. <laughs> I talk with my hands a lot as a teacher. So it's really hard. So you try and you practice this. A dog looks at you, you're looking right at them and you say, yes. And then you move and give them food. It is not yes. As you move and give them food at the same time. Okay. So yes, give a little pause. The, the, the food does not have to come instantly after the marker. Okay. Some, a lot of people get that wrong. The marker, the click or the yes, or whatever you're using to mark that behavior there can be two seconds, four seconds, 15 seconds, and then the food, it's fine. Okay. But the marker needs to be at that moment. And I'm going to mark right when they look in my eyes. Okay. And I'm going to start to actually get slower as time goes on. After I do about 30 reps of that, I'm going, you know, 30 plus and puppies. It's so funny. People get frustrated, but they'll be like, I got it. I got it. I got it. And then the next day you'll go to do it and they'll be like, "What, what are we doing again? They'll totally forget it all. Okay. And then it'll come back faster, but just be patient with them. All right. So they're looking in my eyes and then I might wait for a second and then say yes and give them food. Does that make sense? I'm, I want their focus ultimately to have more time to it, to start just mark it and reward, mark and reward, but then get slower. So you, you, you mark it after a second of focus and then mark it after two seconds of eye contact and then mark it after four seconds Again, that's going to be a process of time of probably like a month where you're building up and you're getting better and better focus, okay? Now, as you do that, you start to teach yes and you give, you're give you giving that food, you can start to add uh, commands into it. So I'm going to mark those commands. When I want to teach a dog to do something, I mark it and reward it. So I might take that food and do a sit command, that's part of phase two for us. Phase two is sit and down commands, just teaching really what they are. All right. We're going to start to teach that sit command by saying the word, right? And again, they're not going to know the word. You could teach it without the word first and then add it in. But technically that's how most trainers would do it. But for functionality, I don't mind you saying the word. So I'd say sit and then I'm dog's not going to do anything. And then I'm going to say it again and I'm going to start taking the food in toward their nose if they come up, that means I'm too high, okay? I'm going to come down toward their nose, and I'm going to go up above their head and then go down a little bit. And again, that's easier to see, so the videos might come in handy there if that w- would be for you, right? So you can kind of see that in motion. Um, as we do that, then a dog naturally, re- their head goes up. Guess what? Their bum often goes, as you go down lower, their bum goes down. As soon as their little cute puppy bum hits the ground, mark it. Yes, there it is, right? I say yes, and then I release the food into their mouth, okay? Again, the marker doesn't have to go exactly uh, with the food reward, all right? So mark it, then comes the food. Just teach your puppy that every time you mark something, that means food will come. It, It might be, like I say, two seconds later, you might have to get in the bag and get it. That's fine, but food will come. It, It just be consistent there. All right, food will come. If I'm going to teach a down command, then it's it's often easier to teach it from a sit command. Uh, if you can teach it from a dog standing up, you'll be super cool. 
you'll be awesome. You've, you've reached an awesome level of trainer. It's not really that hard, but it's just easier with a sit command. So once they get good at sit, then don't say yes, right? Or say yes and reward them. And then when you go grab more food, say down and go ahead and take that food and put it right up underneath their chin and down in between their paws and let them kind of lick it and mouth it and move it around, just move it a little bit, but don't let go of the food until their cute little puppy elbows hit the ground. And when their cute little puppy elbows hit the ground, then you say yes, and they're probably already mouthing the food, and you let go of the food. Now, if they pop right back up after any of these, it's not such a big deal right now. Just get them to understand the command. But as they get better at staying in that command, and maybe I start just kind of pumping some food to them and saying, all right, they're in a down, they're in a down. Before they hop up sometime, say the word, okay, and you hop up and back up, and so will your dog, and then you give them food, okay? So what you're doing is you're actually creating a release command. So often people train a command where they, they, they basically teach a dog a trick. A, doing a sit or a down is a trick. To make it functional, it needs to be consistent and we need to be able to trust that command so for it to be functional i can say sit and then dog does it i'd say yes and give them some food and then they look up at me maybe they give me eye contact i can say yes and i can reward that eye contact as well and then one of these times when they're looking at me when they're focused you say okay and back up and then give them the reward okay so you're basically setting a boundary for them. You're putting bookends on the command. So the puppy's learning, I do this command until I'm released. And it's going to start really, really short. I mean, a puppy, especially a young puppy, is not going to be able to hold a command for too long. But as you practice it, they're going to get better and better at it. Now, if this sounds too complicated, I highly recommend videos here, the videos um, in our puppy training program or or the book, because it's going to help you kind of think through this. It's fun to do. It's awesome when they start to succeed, when they start to get it and the light bulb comes on. Uh, that, I love that. that. You can watch it happen. You can see them thinking through it. And they're going to kind of, they're going to try and do what you want. But as you get that release command in there, you start to get some really great composure. Now, as you work on that, we want to work in phase two on the first part of our socialization composure. And we, we, we like to call socialization composure training because socialization kind of, um, yeah, you know, we, we treat it like human socialization and dog socialization is not the same. Human socialization, I'm like, hey, I just want my kids to play with a bunch of kids and it will be fine. The playing part, especially for a dog, is the easy part. And it's usually high energy and high adrenaline. What we want is for a dog to be able to be composed in difficult situations like for example going to a store or when another dog walks by or when a cat walks by or when little kids go running by we want a dog to be able to stay composed and not have basically an adrenaline spike when that happens and so you can start to do that with some socialization what the world would call socialization what we call composure training and this is the first part of composure training we're not really getting out and being around other dogs or even a ton of people we don't really need to do that right now lots of people aren't bad especially if they kind of stay calm calm is good but if they're always raising the adrenaline that's not the socialization that we want right now 
we can start working on things like vacuums and different surfaces of flooring, different heights, um, working with them from phase one to come through those situations and to, to, you know, to step on tile and to step on carpet and to step on gravel and grass and snow, if that's, you know, in your area, things like that. If it's at that time, that's a great thing for them to get used to. And we can also, of course, use food with that to help them. Like we might be doing a, a feeding or a training time, doing sit and down commands or eye contact um, while the vacuum's going in the distance. And then you just get closer and closer with the vacuum while your dog is focused on you. If your dog is focused on you through that process, then they're, they're, they're hearing the vacuum, but they're like, not a threat. I'm more concerned about this. And then it goes away, right? You don't have to go right next to a puppy in the first session. It goes away, and the puppy says, hmm, that was kind of a scary sound, but it wasn't that scary. Uh, I'm good. I won't worry about it. We do this with motorcycles. Like, we'll start across the street. You know, we'll have our neighbor turn on his motorcycle in his garage, and I will start across the street and do training. And I will work my way closer to the motorcycle in like five foot increments where I'll walk up, I'll turn around so the puppy's back is to the motorcycle and we'll do a sit or a down command and eye contact and things like that. And then I'll get closer and do it again and work in that area for a little bit. And if you can see the puppy looking back and getting nervous about it, you've probably reached your threshold for a while and it's okay to just take your wins and stop right there. Often our biggest issue with socialization is we push too far too fast. So we want them to have good experiences with those things. Again, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to put them around a motorcycle. I'm going to work with them to be composed around a motorcycle. That's good socialization and good training. So anything that uh, we can get them around at this time where they're safe, it's, it's good. And usually in a couple sessions, depending on the dog, you can be right up next to the motorcycle. Careful they don't get burned. But like right up next to the motorcycle and it's just fine. They could care less, right? So you can work with loud sounds that way. I love the composure training. I had a, uh, someone do this training. They, uh, like they had a motorcycle. Um, they wanted to get a sidecar for their dog. I think that's awesome. Um, which we'll talk about how you would get a dog to be confident at like riding in a sidecar in the next phase, the, the foundation of that, but, um, in phase three, but they, uh, they, they wanted their dog to be able to be around motorcycles like that and, and ride around. And so this was perfect for that. This was perfect for them to be able to, for their dog to get used to that. Any situation that you can think of that would be good like that. We're not really doing field trips or anything like that yet. That's phase four. But while they're still young, we're working on this focus. And day by day, it's getting better and better and better. And it might only come around meal times and when you're doing training, and that's okay. You're still using the kennel. You're, they're still resting. Their brain is still growing a lot, and you're giving them a lot of time to 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 grow. And we've got to be really, really patient and realize that this is foundational because it does. It is hard, and it takes time. And we're, there's going to be some days where we move forward two steps and back one, or you'll have. Uh, one or two good days and then a horrible day wherever you're just like, I thought you were potty trained already and they have a big accident. So this is common at this stage um, between eight and, 
and 12 weeks as we're working toward that five months. Really, it's going to happen over and over and over again. So have patience with them, but know that you're headed in the right direction. Sometimes it's really good to remember what day one was like so that you can see the difference. You are making progress. Just keep it up and happy training to you. We'll talk to you in the next episode. In the meantime, happy training, and we hope that uh, any of our programs can help. Uh, with the puppy training program um, on uh, at cornerstonepuppy.com. You can purchase that program right now. It's ready to go, as well as uh, just get the book if that's all you're interested in at cornerstonepuppy.com forward slash info. We also often do live question and answers for people um, that aren't even doing programs. Just any person can come and ask questions on Instagram or on Facebook. So you can follow our Instagram at cornerstonedogtraining. And also look for our our, uh, Facebook page. If that would be helpful to you, we'd love to be of assistance. So come check it out. And like I said before, at least a couple times before, happy training. Take care, guys. Bye.